Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the service provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. It has finally arrived. The year's third Grand Slam, the 2020 Wimbledon, officially upon us. And we have some singles draws to break down. The men's and women's draws coming out on Friday. Some fascinating first-round matchups. Fascinating projections as we work our way through the two-week fortnight. And joining me on today's podcast to preview all aspects of the gentlemen's, not men's, the gentlemen's singles draw is our Crack Rackets Do Everything. You know him as the forefather of the forehand slice, a former Denison men's tennis great, the only undefeated high school tennis coach in Missouri State history. It's James Foster McDonald. Jamie, hey, great shot to you. How are you doing, my friend? Feeling very gentlemanly this morning. Uh, what can I say? Now it's always it's always good this time of year. You get to uh, watch just the lowest quality of any of the surfaces, but there's all the prestige. There's all the prestige around it. And uh, look, I, I can appreciate a good slice and some quick points. And uh, we get out of here in a in a tight five, and then we move on to other hard courts. So it's fine. No, so that's my question for you. Does the plethora of slicing that we see on grass courts offset the? There, let's just be frank here. Low physical quality of play we see on this on these grass courts as well. Does that do it for you? This grass court tennis is getting the job done. I mean, sometimes don't get me wrong. There's nothing better than a nice slice winner. However, to <laughs> me, the slice is so much more fun when it's being used against normal, you know, heavy topspin balls because it's just that much more irritating. So you don't appreciate it quite the same. But no, look, it's fun and it has its own little unique. Uh, Unique aspects, but no, I mean, let's not pretend this is the fun physical tennis we love, but uh, there's the prestige, there's the tradition, I get it. 
I've been YouTube deep diving this week, and I haven't done that from a tennis perspective in, I want to say, at least six months, just because we've had an active season, and it's like, I don't have time to go back and watch other matches. I have to stay up in tune with the current matches happening on tour, but I've allowed myself to, I suppose, uh, enjoy a little bit. Uh, I just thought, I'll be honest, I've gone on an Andy Murray deep dive this week because I was like, I want to see high-quality grass tennis, and I want to see what some of these good players look like against a high-quality opponent, and I ended up just watching... Djokovic Murray the semifinal 2012 Olympics and then I ended up watching the 2013 final and then I ended up watching the 2012 US Open anyways the physical tennis those two are able to play on a grass court is stunning to me they play their rallies look like it could be any surface and I think that's the thing I miss most and the thing that makes guys like Medvedev and you know Demonauer I do think they have that Djokovician quality where they can impose a little bit of physicality in this grass court tennis. I also, just a random note, but if you got to watch any Eastbourne this week, Jamie, your boy Mark Purcell, who was the semifinalist, mm-hmm. he threw in the forehand slices. I was like, oh, that I is know. a game after James Foster's heart. Um, but anyways, that's my t- opening tangent for you. Any response? No, I mean, look, obviously that's that's fun. I think so much of that is just the nature of the, that sort of matchup between Djokovic and Murray, they know it's going to be a grind and they know neither of them are going to serve the other one off. You know, when, when you inject a little bit more pace into the serve and things like that, the rallies start to change, but both of them know that, you know what, it's going to get to a neutral point. So let's just start, you know, like let's just start this point and see what happens. Right. And, and so, um, no, the physical part is, is really, really fun um, to watch. Those two guys can go at it. Both of them. So, I, they're just so well equipped um, all in their ground stroke game. And so, yeah, they're able to translate it across the surfaces. You know, there's going to be grinding rallies and sure they look a little bit different in terms of the RPMs and, and the patterns they're trying to do on grass versus clay or hard or whatever. But no, when you get those two guys who have that ability and again, they love the neutral balls from the ground, they, you know, you're going to see a lot of that physical tennis that we don't necessarily always see on the grass, especially when you have, you know, people who come out of the woodworks like sam query right you're just you're not going to see mm-hmm. the same sort of tennis there uh but again it, it's kind of fun to switch up the surface get a little different um in the same way that clay court tournaments see you know random clay quarters make deep runs it, it's kind of fun to to see the the grass quarters have their whatever three weeks of fame and then uh, go back into hiding <laughs> yeah no there's no denying um you know it, it was a rush transition from clay courts to grass courts we only mm-hmm. get three weeks of warm-up events and then the two weeks of wimbledon but if i'm being honest five weeks of grass court tennis is more than enough uh for me and i imagine you feel fairly similarly no i again sticking with this opening tangent then i promise we'll get to our gentlemen's singles draw preview but i i really do think djokovic and murray 2012 2013 they broke the standards of what men's tennis was supposed to be they just introduced this level and degree of physicality and certainly nadal belongs in that discussion as well but for him it was so pronounced on clay courts early on a little bit different on the other surfaces watching murray and djokovic go head to head both players are afraid to hit to the outer thirds of the court because they're like i don't want to open up any angle or space for the other guy like you can't give murray is so determined if he is going to hit a ball to novak djokovic's forehand cross court it had better be for a winner because you just can't let Djokovic dictum uh, the pace and the direction of the point from that wing. Meanwhile, Murray might be the only guy in tennis history who can play Djokovic even on the backhand wing in his prime. And of course, you know, you watch Novak 
2013 as outstanding as he was at the French Open. It's like, oh my god, this guy actually has lost a step. Like, he was that much quicker, that much more fluid. His ability to anticipate and slide into shots on the grass back in 2012-2013, it was just stupid, Jamie. You're just like, how is this person real? Yeah, I mean, look, I, there's there's so much you can go into, and, and I think particularly when it comes to the grass courts and, and specifically Wimbledon, there's always talk about how the surface has changed and how it has slowed down, and that has allowed players who already have that ability, like Djokovic and Murray, to grind from the baseline, gives them a little more time to be able to to actually play that sort of physical game style. You know, so it's just it's a little bit different in that sense, right? It's like we can't say that you know it's acting the same as it was in the nineties or whatever and try and compare, you know, how things are played there. But regardless, yes. I mean, anytime you get those sort of legends on a court, they're going to be able to neutralize pace and then direct the game, however they need to, to win. So no, it's definitely fun to see that sort of tennis, but you know, sometimes for me, and, and this is something that I'll talk about, um, especially when we talk about our first quarter, the Djokovic quarter, I kind of hope we get to see somebody who doesn't do that, who tries to just serve him off the court. Because let's be honest, if you're trying to you know, do something from the baseline, you're not going to beat Djokovic. It's going to take the big serves and some typical, you know, old-fashioned grass court, go get him hard-hitting tennis to, to be able to knock Djokovic off the court. Because otherwise, he's just going to stay in rallies and, and you're going to be done before it starts. Mm-hmm. No, and that is the question heading into this 2021 Wimbledon is – Uh, Can anyone in this field catch Novak Djokovic? And that feels like a pretty good segue to get into our coverage of this gentleman's uh, singles draw preview. Now, of course, before we do that, I have to remind all of you listeners that the reason we are able to do these Great Shot podcasts day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, from our friends at Turn of Tennis. I won't lie. I played a match just this past week, and I had a non-Turna grip on my racket, and I could tell within the first three games that it was going to slip out of my hand if I didn't make the change, and so I won't lie as well. I also don't know how to grip a racket well. I actually had to ask my opponent. I was like, hey, not to be weird, but do you mind gripping my racket? And thankfully, he was a good friend. He said, yeah, of course, that's fine. I could use the break anyways. He got that Turner on my racket. I went on to win the next five games, and so if Turner grip can do that for my performance, imagine what it can do for you as well. It's the only grip uh, that gets tackier as you sweat. It's performance in hot and humid conditions unmatched. If you would like that iconic trademarked blue color on the end of your racket, you can contact Turner Tennis to join the team by emailing sales at uniquesports.com or calling 800 800- 800-554-3707. Again, that's sales at uniquesports.com or 800-554-3707. You mentioned Crack Racket sent you. You'll get college pricing. You'll get free samples as well. Uh, email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. Now, with all of that said, Jamie, let's start with our draw preview. And for those, perhaps this is your first draw preview you've heard us do here at Cracked Rackets. We've like to think we've mastered the format of these so that they don't go on for six hours. We're not going to break down each individual match. We are going to break down the four sections of the draw. We'll start from top to bottom. Djokovic, Tsitsipas, Zirev, then Medvedev. We're going to ask and answer four questions in each section. We're going to talk about the best first round matchup. We're going to talk about the seeds on upset alert. We're going to talk about the dangerous dark horses and then of course we are going to end each section with some predictions as well Jamie when we start with the Novak Djokovic section and this is a conversation I had with Gil Gross when we did our top 10 men's contenders which you can hear on this great shot podcast feed but it's just worth mentioning again and I want to ask this to as many people as I can 
it feels like he is the most prohibitive favorite in a men's singles Grand Slam since maybe the 2016 Australian Open when he was coming off of that historic 2015 season playing probably the best tennis of his career. Like, for me... I would say he's the biggest favorite since then because, of course, there is no Rafael Nadal in this event. The Roger Federer we've seen has played under 10 matches in the past 18 months and just respectfully has not looked like the Roger Federer of 20, even 2017, 2018, 2019 range uh, this season. Plus, you have all the next geners who are just respectfully unproven on these grass courts. Yes, Daniil Medvedev's lost his three losses at Wimbledon are all in five sets, but he's never made a second week. Yes, Matteo Berrettini's made a round of 16, and he's coming off of a title, and he's looked really good, but, you know, he's only made a round of 16 here. We've never seen him make a deep run. Zverev, ditto, only a round of 16. Tsitsipas, only a round of 16. In fact, when you look at this draw, here's my opening stat from you from at Anna K Forever. Only five of the 32 men's seeds in the draw this year, Jamie, have previously reached a Wimbledon quarterfinal. Djokovic and Federer have both won it. RBA, Dimitrov, Isner have made quarterfinals. That's it. So before we even get into the section, my question for you, in your mind, how prohibitive of a favorite is Djokovic? I've said it before, I'll say it again. I will be shocked if anyone else leaves this event with the title. That's how comfortable I feel about him. I mean, he's a huge favorite. I, I don't know if I mean, you you asked a few things there. Um, going back, <laughs> welcome to, back. Well, Do you miss what, me? What, yeah, exactly. What is it? <laughs> what did you say? The 2016 Aussie is when you thought there was the most prohibitive favorite. I would probably say like 2018 French for Nadal because that was sure. when Djokovic was out of it and he was like the 20 seed or something. And of course, Nadal just ran through and beat team in straights in the final. So I'd probably say that's the most like recent time where I'm like, okay, this dude is going to win the tournament. There's no ifs, ands, and buts, and buts about it. Djokovic, yeah, I mean, a heavy favorite here for sure. Um, I, I don't. I don't know, right? It's grass court tennis. So if he runs into somebody who's serving huge, maybe that takes it out a little bit. But no, I mean, he is a massive favorite coming into this. I mean, I, you don't even get good odds on odds on trying to get a future for him to win the tournament. So um, I don't know how I don't know how else to really quantify it. I would say that like if I had to put a percentage of confidence, I would say like I'm like seventy percent confident that he'll win just because it's grass. If this was hard court, it would be even higher given the level. Um uh, but yeah, no Nadal doesn't do that much for me here because it's Wimbledon. Fed, I mean, look, he's Federer at Wimbledon, but he hasn't been serving great. To me, if it's somebody who's going to upstage Djokovic, it's not going to be Federer to win this. Yeah, look, Djokovic minus one twenty five right now to win the event. The next closest is Medvedev at plus six hundred. Then you have Tsitsipas plus seven fifty, Federer plus eleven hundred. Berrettini plus 1,200. Yeah, he's a pretty prohibitive favorite. By the way, we should pounce on those odds immediately because Djokovic— Yeah, give me Fed at 11. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Um, Well, I disagree with you there, but that's a discussion for another time. Meanwhile, the women's— That's a good use of a dollar. Come on. That's a good use of a dollar. Federer is not winning this event. He's not. Can can we save that for when we get to his section? Maybe I was saying he he's not going to be the one to upstage Djokovic, but it, it's better at Wimbledon. Come on, get, keep the hope alive. Anyway, Meanwhile, continue. these women's odds are just incredible. The favorite is Serena at plus six hundred. You can pick your f- six favorite favorite uh, six favorite favorites and still win money and probably win a healthy. And, 
you We're won't gonna... win the money because someone else will win. But yeah, yes. <laughs> no, right now I'm looking uh, who's like Georgie at 80 to 1. Maybe that's the one we pick. Or like Ali Risk, 120 to 1. Shelby Rogers, 150 to 1. In this season, it makes sense. Uh, but, anyways, we look at this Novak Djokovic section of the draw. And again, uh, with that premise of he enters this tournament as the prohibitive favorites, he's got a first round matchup against uh, British wildcard Jack Draper, who was a quarter finalist in one of the warm-up events two weeks ago. You look at the seeds in this section. Your number one seed is Novak Djokovic. Your number five seed and your fellow top eight seed in the section is Andre Rublev. You've also got Yannick Sinner, Fabio Fognini, Diego Schwartzman, Gael Monfils, Christian Garin, and Alejandro Davidovich Fokina. Let's start with the first-round matchups, Jamie. Which are the ones you're going to be watching most closely? Which are the ones you're most excited for? Yeah, I mean, I don't think this section has the most, uh, you know, blockbuster first rounds, but there's a few good ones that I would pick out, um, you know, either for just entertainment sake or for, oh, hey, this could actually, you know, be an upset that means something in the section. Uh, I mean, I think Fucevic and Center is just the obvious one um, in this section. Davidovich, Fokina, and Kudla, I think, is actually going to be a very entertaining match. Um, and then O'Connell, Monfils, because I have Monfils on some upset alert here. So that's why I threw that in there. But, uh, yeah, again, I won't take them all. So what, what are you thinking first rounds? No, I, I, those are all good matches. But, I mean, up and down the board, you have some pretty good ones here. It's always fun to watch players face the test of Novak Djokovic. And so to see young Jack Draper, lefty, wants to play big. I, I would say projecting forward, he's like Yuri Vesely 1.2 in that his backhand's a little bit more dynamic um but and you know big lefty imposing game that said Novak Djokovic a different beast I don't think he's getting a set in that one but I mean yeah well, well when we get to the upset alerts Kudla Davidovich Fokina is the obvious one to circle I honestly think Zapata Morales having played the qualifying matches having looked pretty good doing so his big first serve big forehand is going to give Christian Green uh some problems on this surface but you know the one Speaking of, and you mentioned, I mean, you mentioned a bunch of the good ones. The two that I think stand out for me are two guys who can do some damage if the draws break right are Yuri Vesely, Yannick Hoffman. I think the winner of that match, we've seen Vesely make round of 16s before. I tweeted this out, I think, earlier. I think he's 13 and 5 in his career at Wimbledon, which is like sneaky good for Yuri Vesely, former world number, uh, junior number one, who, uh, you know, 6'5", lefty, wants to serve in volley, play big. Uh, We've seen him have success at Wimbledon before, but I also think the serve in volley game, the decisiveness, the explosiveness of Yannick Hoffman, that's a really fun first-round matchup. And then, like, are we sure Lloyd Harris doesn't have Andre Rublev on upset alert in round number two? Obviously, Barankis is a hell of a shot maker in a round one matchup, but Harris, six foot six, fluid mover, huge serve, big weapons off the ground, will go after that return. I think he's going to be a tough out on these grass courts. He's someone I have circled. And again, the grass court ELO ratings right now really screwed up because there's just not a big sample size of matches to go off of. But you talk about the physical profile of Lloyd Harris. You talk about a guy who has been good, uh, you know, all season long. You look for Lloyd Harris, what he's been able to pull off uh, throughout the course of the year. I I think that's a really fun matchup, Harris-Barankas, because if Harris can just outserve, outpower Brankis, gets through that first round comfortably. I think he's going to give Rublev some trouble. Yep, I have. So in terms, if, if we're moving down to unseated folks um, <laughs> already, Lloyd Harris is definitely the one I have circled there. The other one, 
potentially a Benoit pair if he tries uh, or if Vucevic <laughs> gets through center. Uh, but no, I mean, there are some legitimate options to move through here. But again, is it all going to be moot because Djokovic takes the quarter probably? Well, yeah, again, but there, there's still re- other relevant things to getting to that quarter. And again, yeah, he's sure. going to test him on the way to the semifinals. And that gets us to the seeds on upset alert here because, again, you mentioned it. I think we both agree. Dennis Kudla has Alejandro Davidovich Fokina on upset alert. We've seen Kudla make a round of 16 at this event before. We saw him make the final of a challenger in the buildup to this. He ended up losing to Tiafo in that final, makes the quarterfinals the next week, comes through qualifying. I don't think he dropped this set. He looked excellent in each of his matches. Meanwhile, for Davidovich Fokina, he did play Nisporn. Got a win over Emer, but then withdrew with, you know, some nagging back pain, I believe, against Vashik Pospisil. And again, Davidovich Fokina is just a guy who's been really banged up all season long, and he's played a ton of matches over these past 52 weeks. You look for Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, 39-21, and 21, but that's 60 matches. You know, he's played a full season, essentially, since the tour resumed in August, and we are reaching that point where now it's been pretty much 12 months of consecutive action for these players. I think Kudla's the fresher of the two. I think he's the more experienced grass court player. You look for Davidovich Fokina in his career. He's only played 10 matches on the surface, but give me Kudla in that one. I think that's upset number one, and then if Kudla gets through that, he'd play the winner of Seppi and Sosa. Like, I think we should see Dennis Kudla in round three. I'll start there. That's my first seed on upset alert. I, I, it's, I imagine it's tough to disagree. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I think we always forget that Davidovich Fokina can pull it together. I mean, the guy won Junior Wimbledon, right? So, like, yeah. he knows how to play on this surface. Um, and so, and he's a great competitor. You know, you feel like him pulling out there is trying to save himself because he knows this is going to be a fun one. So, I, I mean, I, I'm not as, I'm nowhere near as confident in you in saying that, yeah, you think Kula's going to for sure win this, but um I, we'll see i mean i think for me the one who might be even more of a in more of a dangerous spot is gael monfils um sure. in the two lead-up tournaments he played on grass and he's the 13th seed for this in the two lead-up tournaments he lost first round both of them mm-hmm. um and so he's got no confidence on the surface right and and you mentioned such a quick turnaround so he goes to the french then has not won a match on grass and I mean, it's just he, he's not in a good spot right now and sure he's a veteran he's been here before blah 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 but he's just not in a good spot with his game right now. Um, and so I think regardless of who that opponent is, and in this case, it's O'Connell, he's in for he's in for a wacky match. So I have no confidence in the guy on Monfils game right now. So that's why I've got him on upset alert. Monfils, 40 and 30 in his career on grass courts. He's lost his last five matches, though, on the surface. Those losses to Kudla, Herbert, uh, Ugo Humber, uh Lloyd Harris, and Max Purcell. Ah, guys we've talked about throughout the course exactly. of this. But yeah, no, I I very much agree with you. O'Connell looked rock solid in qualifying as well. He puts a million balls in play, and it just looks difficult for Guy Mumphies to finish points right now. Like, he was struggling mm-hmm. to do so. Very much agree with you. That's a seed on upset alert. Not to name every seed here and say they're all on upset alerts, but I think the other one we do just have to throw. Uh, I mentioned the Zapata Morales Green thing. That has as much to do with Christian Green's lack of experience on these grass courts and, again, how that speed, that ball staying low is going to impact his game, his ability to find forehands. But the Fucevic center one, I mean, do I have to say the Fucevic stat again, how he's made the fourth round, or I think third round or later at, I want to say, four of the last six slams, and how he always seems to upset that seed in the first round, and just physically three out of five sets the challenges he presents, the fact that we still don't have a huge sample size of grass court matches for Sinner either. 
that's an obvious one, right? Like, it's not, if, if Sinner loses that match, I wouldn't even call this one an upset. This is just a toss-up. This feels like an either-or yeah. sort of match. Yeah, this is a really tough, I mean, this is a tough first round to be dealt for Sinner. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, also, it's one of those where you, you, you take the positive side of it and say, hey, if you get through this guy, known to be sort of that giant killer, always a tough out, you know, you get some good confidence there. So, it's not the worst first round in that sense, because, you know, Yannick Sinner, obviously ambitious and trying to make those deep runs. But, man, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a tough way to start a tournament, no doubt about it. This guy, I mean, Fucevic shows up for majors, and like you mentioned, he he knows how to beat the big guys. He's not scared of that task at all. So I expect that, regardless of who wins, I, I just expect it to be a really fun match to watch. Um, the other one I would say who you haven't mentioned is Diego Schwartzman. Um, and again, it's just Benoit Paire if he tries. Benoit Paire has a phenomenal serve, great feel, can be really crafty on this surface, and Schwartzman doesn't necessarily always get to use the physical nature of his game uh to i don't know to its peak ability i guess you could say just because of the limitations of grass and how these points are played and benoit pair can be funky throw off his rhythm schwartzman doesn't have some booming serve so if benoit pair gets some returns in play he'll probably have chances to break i think that's a tricky one for diego schwartzman and, and benoit pair isn't necessarily the guy you want to play first round unless he just tanks it and throws in the towel uh but again that's that's just on the mental side there but i, I would circle schwartzman no, that's fair. And again, just this section of the draw in general, I think is fascinating. I really do think Yuri Vesely is going to be the guy to emerge to that third round because, again, you just look at his experience compared to everyone else. Vesely's made round of 16 at Wimbledon twice, 25 and 17 on in his career on grass courts. By the way, you know Dennis Kudlis played over 100 grass court matches in his career, 107. He's 66 and 41. It's pretty impressive that he's just found that many grass court opportunities. Shout out to him but you know again it's it's an interesting section of the draw and I think we've sort of named the dangerous dark horses already Vesley would be my guy I turn to I think the winner of him and Hanifman matchup honestly might be my favorite to advance to that third round you look at some of the other unseated players in this section Fucevic is a glaring one but who are the dangerous dark horses beyond the are there any beyond those three or are those the guys Again, maybe Benoit Pair, just depending on what you see in the first round. But for me, it's Lloyd Harris, and, and we already sort of talked. We talked about that, so we don't need to exhaust it. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's some, there's a few guys who can to make some breaks in the section. But again, will it matter in the end? Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's no. always the question when you're in the Djokovic quarter. But I think that's a good point. Just Lloyd Harris, 32 and 20 in his last 52, made that final in Dubai. Has made bunch of quarterfinals as well he's currently at number 51 which you know went off his career high of number 50 which he reached back in April he's got the big serve he's got the physical profile I agree with you it's interesting now as we get into the predictions we haven't talked about Andre Rublev and I had this same discussion with Gil uh, when we were talking about our top 10 contenders Feels like Rublev's sort of fallen out of that I don't want to say the top tier discussion but well, I guess I do want to say that top-tier discussion of the next geners because it does feel like Medvedev, Tsitsipas, Zverev, at least with their slam results in particular of late, Medvedev making that Australian Open Finals, Zverev the uh, U.S. Open Finals, Tsitsipas the French Open Final, that they've sort of separated themselves. And then, you know, Berrettini, Rublev, Sinner, they're all kind of hanging out in that second tier of the next geners. And yet... 
we did just see Andre Rublev make the final of Hala in the warm-up to this, and his overwhelming pace, the heaviness of that forehand, even to track that ball down on a grass court, okay, you tracked it down. There's like no way you're getting to the next ball, though. That's how heavy and how decisive he is at attacking open space. When we're making predictions for this section, are you going chalk? Are you going Djokovic, Rublev, quarterfinal? Do you think it's going to be an unseated player? It's interesting because I do feel like Andre Rublev, I don't want to say he's a dark horse, but like I, I don't think he's been in the discussion of people who we think can make some serious noise and do some damage here at Wimbledon. Yeah, and, and maybe that's what he needs, right? Maybe he needs to just yeah. be out of the spotlight a little bit. First of all, I don't know if it's fair to say, you know, that cliff of Berrettini, Rublev, and Center altogether. I feel like there's another separation, another shelf down just because what they've proven over the sure. last few years. But regardless, um, no, I mean, I, at this point, no, I don't think I don't think Rublev is a favorite to even get to the quarters at this moment, regardless of the number next to his name, because he has to go through a pretty dicey section. Now, I mean, we'll, we'll see, right? It's, it's all about the eye test, but I mean, he's going up against guys that we just talked about, like Lloyd Harris, that second round, that's going to be a really tough match. Um, and then to get to the quarters, he would have to play what one of either Vesely or uh, center Fuchva, whoever gets through in that section. And that's not easy at all. Um, and so to me, Rublev, I just don't know if he's going to be able to protect his serve over and over and over across these and and that's what it takes against some of these guys so no at this point i don't see this section you know going fully chalk except for the top half with Djokovic, unless my boy kevin anderson anderson can show up and hit like 90 aces and then uh make everybody happy yeah i saw that was it the 2018 wimbledon final where Djokovic just slaughtered him I think that oh, was 18 uh, or yeah, 19. Yeah, yeah, it's stuck in my brain still. Yeah. So like, it wasn't no matter, 19. Yeah, yeah it so it was, yeah, it was 18. Um, but yeah, I mean, here's the thing: Rublev, 59 and 17. You look at the losses; they're all the top 20 players or guys who can slap the ball like crazy, like a Jan Leonard Struff or a Lorenzo Sinego or a John Isner or an Ugo Umbert in that Hall of Final. I mean, in terms of the predictions, we can make them now. I think we both agree Novak Djokovic is advancing out of this section. Who's he going to face in that quarterfinal match? I don't think it's going to be Schwartzman. I don't think it's going to be Fonini. Rublev, Sinner, and Vesely are the three guys I'm circling. I think I'm going to go chalk here. I do think Harris can beat him, though. Yeah, I'm going to stick chalk. I just feel like Andre Rublev, you we, you kind of mentioned it. I kind of like the fact that people are sleeping on his case, that people that he hasn't played an overwhelming amount of tennis of late, that he comes into this event relatively rested. He's played 73, uh, 76 matches excuse me, over the last 52 weeks. That's a ton of tennis. But he has only played one event in the past month. I'll go Djokovic Rublev and I'll take Djokovic to advance to the semifinals. What give me did you say your quarterfinal prediction? Not really. I mean, it, again, I'm going to talk myself out of it cuz Rublev actually did look pretty good, but uh give me the give me the upset. Uh Harris will take him out and just throw this section on its head. I don't think it's going to be Schwartzman coming out of the bottom. I think it's going to be Sinner or an unseated guy. 
Yeah. I think. And then and then Djokovic, once that happens, will just roll. I honestly, my thing is right now, we've spent so little time talking about Djokovic just because it's like this given um, mm-hmm. that in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, is it really a given? And then, you know, he'll play one match and I'll be reminded that it's like, oh, yeah, damn it. It's Djokovic. Yeah. Um, and so it's it, it's always it's always sort of tough to do that. But yeah, at this point, you just given what we've seen, you just have to say Novak Djokovic to win and get to the semis. No, I haven't listed the metrics because we did in our top cont- in our contenders pod. But he's number one in ELO. He's number one in grass court ELO, number one in 2021 ELO. You look at the statistics, they're all relatively around or at his career high numbers. And like, while the eye test does not say he is playing the best tennis of his career, all you have to do is point to those last three rounds of the French Open to be like, yeah, but that gear is still there for him if he needs it. And mm-hmm. that's a gear that no one else right now has shown that they have been able to hit. So I agree with you, Djokovic, the prohibitive favorite in his section. But with that in mind, let's move on to section number two in the top half of the draw. This is the Stefano Tsitsipas section as Tsitsipas enters this event as your number three overall seed. You look at the other players in this uh, side, in particular the seeded players, number eight seed Roberto Bautista Gut, who is one of those five guys with a quarterfinal at Wimbledon under his belt. You've also got a 27 seed in Riley Opelka, a 24 seed in a playing well despite, again, regardless of what you think of him personally, Nicolas Basilashvili is starting to finally play better tennis again. You've also got number 10 seed Denis Shapovalov in this section, Alex Dimonauer, who, as we're recording this, is in a third set with Lorenzo Sinego in one of those finals of a warm-up event. You've also got number 22 seed Dan Evans, number 25 seed Karen Hatchnov in what has to be the best first-round matchup of the of the section, right, as Hatchnov takes on Mackie McDonald round one. That's an exceptional matchup. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones. I, I Instead of listing them all out, I will let you do the same. This might be from a first-round perspective and a next-gen perspective. My favorite section, Jamie. Yeah, this is a really fun one. Uh, this is a really, really fun one for the first rounds. I think the Medvedev quarter, when we get to it, might be... I don't know. It's it's close. But no, I mean, Mackie and Hatchinov, absolutely. Dan Evans and Lopez um, should be really fun. Although I will say I was a little disappointed in my boy Lopez there. He he had a weak showing against Manorino. I was not too uh, not too happy with that one. But regardless, Corda and Demenauer, you mentioned it with Basilashvili going up against Murray. And then for me, one that you may not have circled, uh, Batista Agu going up against the Milkman. I mean, there's just potential for that to be a grind. Um, and, and so even though it is grass court and RBA has looked really solid usually when someone beats him on grass you know it's someone who can just actually hit through him you know we saw that with what was it query in the lead up to this um so look batista goot against millman not an easy match there but no those are just some of the first rounds there's really 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 solid first rounds in the sits boss quarter opelka kopfer that's a fun one murray basilish Vili, obviously a fun one you've got demon hour corda inject that in my veins tiafo versus pass like Yes, I'm in. I'm in on all of them. These are very, very fun matchups across the board. And, you know, again, in terms of the seeds on upset alert, we can just get into that right away. You look at this section of the draw. I think we have to start with Mackie McDonald against Karen Hatchinov. You look at what Mackie's been able to accomplish over these last 52 weeks. I think it's a win, not if he gets back into the top 100. He's 40-22 and 22 in his last 52, made semifinals of Nottingham 2, uh, the challenger before losing to the eventual champion, Alex Bolt. He obviously came through qualifying to make the second round of Roland Garros. You look at for him in his career on these grass courts, obviously he's got a Wimbledon round of 16 in his back pocket that he 
he can turn to uh, from the 2018 season. And his game just makes sense on these courts. He beats you to the spot. He takes the ball early. He's going to be aggressive. He's willing to move forward. Meanwhile, in a guy in Karen Hatchnov, he's going to have opportunities to do that. Of course, Hatchnov going to match him physically. This is a match that's destined for five sets, Jamie. I'm like 100% certain about that. Not sure who's going to win quite yet. Uh, And Mackey was pushed the distance in all three of his qualifying matches. Three sets, three sets, then comes back from two sets to love down during a five-set win over fellow UCLA Bruin Max Cressy. Again, you look for Karen Hatchnov. It's kind of the flip side. Hatchnov has not been great over these last 52 weeks. He's 27 and 23, and yet you do feel like it's just so hard to beat him in a three out of five set format. I feel like all of his losses end up coming either in five sets or like seven, six, seven, six, seven, six, like it was at this year's Australian Open. I think this is going to be a really fun one. I do think uh, Hatchinov is a bit on upset alert. Your thoughts on that match, your thoughts on the other seeds on upset alert in this section. Yeah, I mean, Hashinov, look, talk about somebody who's definitely fallen out of that next-gen spotlight. Um, definitely uh, Karen Hashinov. And look, we, we can talk about his game for, for a long, long time. But I think especially on these courts, given that grip, I mean, I know that pain all too well, especially on a fast court like this. If Mackey takes the ball early, rips it to his forehand, um, he's going to get a lot of free points off it. And so I think matchup-wise, if you're Mackey, you don't hate this first-seeded first round at all. Um, and so, yeah, I think this is a, definitely a dangerous one for Hatchinov. Now, I think if he's just bombing first serves in it, it, it to me it's all about the serve if he can protect his serve and make this less about the ground strokes he's going to be okay uh, he just has he's just that caliber of player he can take his chances finish things at the net when he needs to he's got the intensity we've seen this guy get through just gritty matches at majors but when you actually get down to the x and x's and o's here matchup wise you got to like how Mackie McDonald plays. And again, it's just a good matchup for him if he's going to be played in a seated physical guy like this. So I expect it to be to be a total blockbuster as well. It's the first one I circled as first round in this quarter. And that's the thing. Mackie can match his physicality. He can beat him to the spot from a seed, seed perspective. And then when Hatchinoff gets tentative, Mackie will make him pay for that fact. And so, yeah, I, I think this is a really, really fun one. I mean, Dom Kofer has earned the benefit of if you're playing a seed, that seed's on upset alert because Kofer just puts so many balls in play. And obviously the lefty is going to make things tricky for Opelka, but I kind of like this section of the – I kind of like how things have broken for Riley Opelka. I really do think we could see him in a fourth-round quarterfinal sort of uh, performance here. The other one we just got to talk about quickly, a seat on upset alert, Korda versus Demonauer. And you look for Alex Demonauer, who has finally regained his rhythm here uh, over the course of this grass court season. Semifinals in Queens Club before he lost to Berrettini. I think that's a fine loss. He then, you know, makes the final here in Eastbourne. And we look right now for Alex Demonauer. He actually is up 4-2 in the third set, deciding breaker on Senego. So he might end up with a title heading into this Wimbledon. Now, fitness not something we worry about for him. He also has tomorrow off. Wouldn't start until Monday or Tuesday at the earliest. He is playing a guy in Sebastian Corda who will never look more like Tomas Burdish than when he plays on a grass court. And let's be honest, as good as Demonauer is moving and beating you to the spot, Corda can just hit through you. He's got down-the-line power. He's got comfort moving forward. Uh, he play makes and plays a high percentage of first-serve points and plays those points efficiently. 
I think that match is a toss-up. Like, prior to this week, had Demon Hour not had this successful run in Eastbourne to the final, I think we say Corda absolutely has Demon Hour on upset alert. And so I don't want to mm-hmm. hot take too far the other way and say, well, now that he's won a title in Eastbourne, he's not on upset alert. Because he is, right? I think this match is a toss-up. Certainly, Corda's got the firepower advantage. The thing is, Demon Hour, as mentioned earlier, has that Djokovician quality where he can make these matches on grass court physical. And I do wonder how Corda handles that challenge. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that's going to be a confidence booster outside of this final or title run, however this this match ends up against Demon Hour or for Demon Hour rather, is the fact that like he's getting some good batting practice in here for somebody who who has a style like Corda, somebody who can put in big shots, get you uncomfortable with the pressure of a big serve with the down the line imposing. I mean, he he beat Pospisil in straight sets now. Is this the best Pospisil we've seen? No, probably not, but always a guy who's dangerous on grass. If he wins against Sinego here, Sinego, a guy who can give you that pace and bomb first mm-hmm. serves in as well, and if he can handle that, again, I think that just gives him a lot of confidence. So if Damon Hour pulls this off and has the confidence from a title, I think you really lean Damon Hour here because he's proven what he can do against this type of player. But no, I'm with you. Beforehand, I would have leaned Corda for sure. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, Demon Hour will leave the occasional ball short. And if you do that against Sebastian Corda against on either wing, he'll make you pay. You know, Sinego, you can get away with leaving a ball a bit shorter on the backhand side because he'll play more slice than Corda was. Corda will just hit that line drive right through you. And so I do think that's an interesting one. I'd also put Shapovalov on upset alert, not to Cole Schreiber round one, but how many times have we seen Pierre Uzerbert knock off that number 10 seed in a five-set match, particularly on this surface, his serve and volley game, his willingness to move forward, keep Shapo on his back foot? That's a second-round match that has five sets written all over it. Yep, and, and we'll get to this later, but in terms of unseeded players... Well, let's get into it. No, get into it now. You want to go now? Get, make yeah, the I case, mean, please. I... There's one I circled. There are two that I kind of gave honorable mentions to, depending on how first round break, but it's right out of the gate. Uh, Air Bear is the one that I circled as the one in this section who could actually make a difference in this thing. Because look, he he doesn't, to me, he has uh, a first round that he should be able to walk through. That second round, Shapovalov, sure. Shapovalov did actually look pretty good on the grass, but again, Air Bear, you know, it doesn't matter. He can impose his game right and Mm -hmm. so unless you have somebody who can just be incredibly compact and neutralize everything and not sort of crumble under that pressure you're going to be in some in some tough situations and and Shapovalov with how big you know just generally his stroke productions nice and loopy loves to take those huge cracks at the ball Air Bear's not going to give him time to do that right he's going to be pressuring him from the like from the start he's going to be taking balls early he's going to be coming in both at expected and unexpected times to to try and finish things off the net 100% agree with you there that that's some upset alert second round and if there is somebody who's unseated who's going to make a run through this, I think Air Bears has the best shot. Yeah, uh, that's the guy. I also think Rinderneck Basilashvili could be fun second round because Rinderneck able to match that pace. We already talked about Cope for Quan. If it wasn't against Opelka because of the size disparity, obviously he's coming off of a semifinal, just puts a ton of pressure on you. And then because Bautista Goot plays Milman round one, the prospect of a Kesmenovich round two, that's a really physical match and just again the moment you count Miramir Kasmanovich out he pulls off a win like that so that's one I'm keeping an eye on now again just quickly on the Andy Murray match 
I think Basilashvili is about as bad of an opponent as he could have drawn because Basilashvili has the sort of power that exposes Andy Murray's weakness now, which is he's lost a step and a half. Let's just be clear. Mm -hmm. He can't move the way he did when he was 26, 24 years old, and in particular moving to his left now. Ugh. Watching those highlights, that's, I honestly did that tangent at the beginning of the pod just so I could set it up for this moment. Watching Murray move to his left and hit through every backhand and only hit the slice out of desperation, not out of, you know, des- or, or, you know just only when it was absolutely necessary. Um, that's just not what he does now. He has to hit that slice moving left. He's not as comfortable hitting and swinging through that back, and he can't turn into the inside-in, inside-out forehands the way he once did. And Basilashvili just has the sort of pace that's going to keep him on his back foot, not allow him to get into his patterns, be the aggressor. I think Basilashvili wins the match comfortably, unfortunately. Now, am I trying to reverse jinx things? What do you think? But I am concerned about that matchup for Andy. That's fair. Give me Murray, though. Give me the heart. Give me the grit. Yeah. He's, he's, he's going to go out there. He wants this match. Uh, give me Andy Murray. The thing there. is, and, and Nish- I don't think it's- Nishioka what? was such a better matchup for him at the U.S. Open because it was like Nishioka doesn't have the huge weapon to kill him with. Basilashvili has the big weapon where it's like if Andy hits a floating ball, which he does now from time to time, the point's over. Like, he's done. And that's what I'm afraid of is this match is going to be on Basilashvili's rackets. And if he plays well, he'll win. Right. But I think with that sort of risk, I think you also get um, you get some reward. Right. Because if he's not on fire, then you're getting a lot of free points. Whereas somebody like Anishioka, Murray can't grind the way he used to. um, And people know that. Right. And so if you get into these long neutral sort of points and then expose that weaker backhand and that moving to the left side over and over and over, it's a little different now. And I mean, hey, look. Murray, when he played Nishioka, he won <laughs> at the U.S. Open. It just took five sets, and he lost the first two. So, no, I mean, it is it is an interesting matchup, and if Basilishvili plays the way he has the last, like, week or so, then, yeah, Murray's Murray's in for a tough one, but still give me Andy Murray to win that match. Hey, your mouth to God's ears, I'll take it. Well, then, with that in mind, again, we haven't talked much about Tsitsipas. Gil and I talked about him extensively in our uh, breakdown of the top 10 contenders. That matchup with Tiafo certainly very, very fun, and Tiafo is coming off of a challenger title on grass. He'll always favor the three out of five set format. He does have the sort of first serve to perhaps give Tsitsipas some difficulties if he's able to land enough of them towards that Tsitsipas backhand. Also just feels like worth mentioning, there is a world where Dan Evans, fourth round, quarterfinal, maybe that variety happens, but with that in mind, I'll put you on the spot. Let's make some predictions. Give me your quarterfinals and ultimately who you have advancing out of this section. Yeah, this one's tough, right? I think there's some weird stuff that could go down with people who love the grass. I mean, Dan Evans, Lopez, that's a first-round match, right? And, and then Air Bear in the bottom. It's There's all sorts of weird things. And, and I think the problem with this section for me is that I could make a case for so many of these players, and but I also just like don't trust them. Like the moment I say Opelka, send yep, him to the quarters. There it is, yep. Exactly. And, and so, or I say Shapovalov, yeah, he can do it, and then he'll lose first round. So it's just, it's, uh, it's a little difficult. Let's keep it simple at the top. I think Sitsipas, he has established himself, sort of like you were talking about at the top here. He's established himself as like, hey, I am expected to get to this stage of a Grand Slam and he's confident in that he knows that regardless of surface you know he's one of those that figures out ways to win no his strokes aren't the best for this surface but he's got the serve um he can turn to that slice and change up and and just cause some problems for people 
and it's just it's Sitsi Boss. Again, he's established his worth at this level. I think he comes out of that top. Who will he be playing? I gotta stay bold. I gotta stay bold here. Give me Riley Opelka all the uh, way through. This is the problem is a, it's the obvious bold pick. So, like, anyone who's not, – not that I'm saying you're making an obvious pick here because you are making a bold pick, and it is something to stick your neck out there. But the thing I'm afraid of, and I think we both know who I'm thinking of right now, uh, is going to be, like, give me Opelka as well. And it's just, like, when that quant- caliber of person is making that Opelka pick, it's like, does that mean it's the obvious one? Does that mean everyone's just looking for an upset, looking to have their name out there and be bold? At the same time, it's like – this is the section that feels like it has the chance to pr- produce the most funk because yeah, like I just, if I told I, you I Hatchinov gets through Mackie or beats Tsitsipas, or if I told you Mackie gets through Hatchinov and beats Tsitsipas, I think both of those things are on the table because of just, again, the weapons they have to make Tsitsipas uncomfortable and his uh, lack of experience on this surface. Similarly, if I told you Demon Hour or Evans or honestly even Korda comes out of that top section and challenges Tsitsipas I think you'd believe me as well meanwhile no one is playing well enough in this bottom half to be the definitive favorite so it's like this one to me feels wide open yeah I mean because honestly when I'm looking at how this bottom breaks out I think I I think prediction so I think I think (laughs) Shapovalov and Air Bear will meet in the second round i don't know how that one is going to go honestly and i think opelka and batista Agut will meet in the third round um and i would i would say batista Agut there because we've seen him on the surface uh, you know it just makes sense with his game but you know with how query served it really just exposed that for batista Agut. like man this guy you know if somebody is serving big and serving well yet yeah, granted not many people can do much about it but you know if opelka serves well there truly isn't really much that batista Agut can re- do about it he just can't and so that's why in that sense it, it makes more sense for me to go with the the big <laughs> server and opelka but i don't know i, I again, honestly think i honestly of- think riley loses first round or makes the fourth round like i really do think that's how extreme it is i'm like if he can get through cope for i think he gets through bautista goop but i don't know if he can get through cope for i mean look simply put if he puts first serves in play he should win match like it just it it's that it's simple for him. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's just that simple for him. Like those first serves just should not be coming back, right? Like it's so. Again, that's just where that's just where my head's at right now. Um, again, I I already said it, so I got to stick with it. You know, keep me with Opelka there. But I guess there's sort of my thought process is that for me, I, I don't have a justifiable match in that that he loses because to me in my first round he's like, yeah, he should win that second round. Yeah, he should win that third round against Batista Goo. That's a bit tougher there, and maybe he loses it. But I just saw Query take out Batista Goo in straight sets, and and let's be honest, Opelka can serve just as well as Query, and that match was all about the serve for Sam Query. I mean, yeah, he was unreal, and he hit what like twenty five aces in it. So yeah. that that's nothing to sort of scoff at. But again, it's grass court tennis, and you got to go with the big server. I really want to take Demon Hour, like so badly want to take him over Tsitsipas and then take Opelka over Demon Hour to make the semifinals. Like, I really want to be bold here. Yeah, I don't know. I know, it's so tough. This section is wide f***ing open. Um, all right, we spent long enough talking about it. So I'm going to take... 
I don't want to copy. I don't want to sound the same as you. You took my Opelka pick. I was ready to come out. You were with just this. you were just talking about how it was so pedestrian. I'm surprised that you didn't. No, I know. The thing is, I was going to do this whole speech anyways on how I want to pick Opelka, but it feels too obvious. Um, uh, I'll take Demon Hour to advance out of this section. I don't know who he's going to play in the quarterfinals, but give me Demon Hour. By the way, talk about a reactionary pick. Alex Demon Hour makes a big run here, and by the way, I believe he did close out his match, and he did knock off Lorenzo Sinego to earn the title in Eastbourne. I'm taking Demon Hour. He, his movement was just otherworldly throughout the course of the Eastbourne event, and I think that quality singularly will take him through this section of the draw. I'm waiting for... This is the Demon Hour section of the year, right? These grass court and then the summer hard court events. I'll take him to make the semi. I don't think anyone's going to have that pick, so it got to be a little bit different there. But look, Jamie, again... Uh, yeah, that's I, don't, se- I definitely don't have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's section number two. And I like to think we have groomed the outlines of these podcasts to the point that we have them pretty efficiently organized that we, you know, we know what we're doing, right? We uh, have precisely engineered this format, these previews for uh, all of you podcast listeners. And I have to say, speaking of precision, speaking of grooming, this is where our friends at Manscaped come in, who are the best in be- men's below the waist grooming now, was that transition the best? No, but you know what is the best? The precision engineered tools the our friends at Manscaped offer for your family jewels. That's right. They just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that correctly. Not the 1.0, not the 2.0, but the 3.0. It's the Lawnmower 4.0, Jamie, and you can join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their below-the-waist grooming needs. If you use our promo code NEWBALLS, please, after their website manscaped.com you'll get 20 percent off your order plus free worldwide shipping again that's new balls please at manscaped.com 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping make uh grooming time your favorite time in the bathroom manscaped.com the promo code is new balls please i promise you jamie i'm gonna get better at those as we progress and we bring and further incorporate manscaped into our family but a shout out to you obviously for setting all of that up and with that in mind here's my setup for our bottom half of this draw preview and again four questions per section we've got Zverev section Medvedev's to go best first round matches seeds on upset alert the dangerous dark horses and the predictions let's start with the first round matchups on this bottom half of the draw Jamie and you look in general here I think the one we'll all look forward to is hopefully the quarterfinal we get between Zverev and Berrettini but you look in this section Zverev's the four Berrettini's the seven you look elsewhere you've got a recovering Taylor Fritz back in uh, this section, number 31 seed. He's got Brandon Nakashima first round. Ugo Umber coming off of a 500-level title has probably the first round of the tournament, let's be honest, as he's going to take on Nick Kyrgios. You've also got FAA in this section, Kasper Ruud in this section, Karatsev and Isner as well. Damn, this section's pretty awesome too, Jamie. I'm not going to lie, but what are your favorite first-round matchups? Well, first of all, I, I think the big missed opportunity here is to just simply refer to this part of the draw as below the waist, given um, that transition. But yeah, here we good. are that's in Zverev. Good. 
here we are in this Verif quarter. Now, this is a really interesting one. Um, I think there's definitely seeds on upset alert for this, and we'll get to it. But in terms of the first round, I think Berrettini and Pea is one. Don't forget his run at Wimbledon not long ago. And, you know, he joked about it in the press conferences. I think it was 2019 where he's like, dude, I don't know how I got to this, you know, far in Wimbledon. But, you know, here I am, right? And so that's tough. That's obviously tough. I think Karatsev and Shardy, I fully expect Karatsev to lose that match. Uh, Rude and Thompson, the grind factor. Kyrgios and bear for the obvious reasons i think fritz and nakashima will be a good match i have fritz advancing through it there's a lot of fun ones in this quarter yeah i mean up and down the board i i really i could make it a case that the just disparity in sizes and the contrast between nishioka and isner that's just aesthetically gonna make for good viewing i mean i think nishi cory popperin that's a really, mm-hmm. really fun match. Even Sanga Emer, that has the potential to be awesome as well. But, I mean, when you get a matchup like Ugo Umber, Nick Kyrgios, and we get it again because for those of you who perhaps have forgotten, these two faced off head-to-head at the 2021 Australian Open was a fantastic match that saw Kyrgios knock off Umber in five sets. And, you know, these two have embraced that matchup, and they've, there's been some fun talk on social media as well. But... Look, we haven't seen Nick Kyrgios compete since that Australian Open. And in the meantime, Ugo Umber struggled mightily through the clay court season, but he just ripped off an ATP 500 title that saw him beat Zverev, Korda, Rublev, FAA, all in the same event. He got four three-set wins in that tournament as well. I think he might have even beaten Sam Querrey too. Um, He was freaking awesome. And so this is a serious test for Kyrgios. And, like, you look at the section, if Kyrgios can get through that, you know, Landero or Jean-Luc Magier in that second round, fine. And then, honestly, an inform FAA, this section to me is the most fascinating because I think you're going to get one of FAA, Umber, or Kyrgios into the fourth round. And that's a win for tennis fans to guarantee one of those three players advances. Like, this section is fascinating to me. Yeah. No, this is a really, really fun section, not only for the first round, but just how this thing is going to shake out. And again, it's always because who's going to get the curious grenade in their section, right? Yeah. Because he's coming in, not seated, you know, ready to mess things up. And unfortunate, I guess, that it's unbear first round, but also kind of fortunate that we get an electric round or first round match when it, that has no business being around one match, right? Like it, it just doesn't. Both of those guys have the potential to make deep runs in this thing. So um, again, a little bit disappointing in that sense, but really fun for us tennis fans on you know the very beginning of Wimbledon we we get to see something like that but yeah when we get into the seeds I mean I'll just go ahead and go there if you don't mind for me upset alert I've got a lot of them um, I think I'm bare for all the obvious reasons. It's well, I don't even think that's an upset, right? That that's just a toss yeah. up. That match well, is a pickup. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just listed it because no, he's you're the right. You're right. Player. Yeah, for sure. Casper Rude, um, just because he shouldn't be the 12 seed. <laughs> that's, so that's... I'm going to disagree with you there. Did you watch Rude play this week in Majorca? Yeah, I, I like, saw him play. I was. First of all, he was using more backhand slice than I had ever seen him use prior. But I just think physically, like, he's just a tough freaking out. It doesn't matter the surface. Yeah, he's he going to find like- serves, find forehands. And it's just because it's Jordan Thompson who doesn't have that big overwhelming weapon. Like, unless you can beat Rude to the spot, I don't care what the surface is. I think it's going to be really hard to beat him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, he had a really tight match with Jill Simone, though. Um, with you? And you, mean, you, you exactly. had a first-hand and experience? Jordan, and, like, you can't tell me that Jordan Thompson doesn't just do what Simone does, but, like, a little bit better now. 
quite a bit. Like to me, that so that's not an easy win for Casper Ruud. And like, yeah, he's he's a grinder. He knows how to you know find his way out of things. But I mean, Medvedev was just toying with him by the end of that quarterfinal match. So sure. um, yeah, he looked okay. I mean, again, and, and again, he's going up against Medvedev. I didn't expect him to win that match. This clearly isn't Ruud's favorite surface. But I, again, I think the twelve number, just looking at it for this sort of tournament, it just. It, to me, it doesn't belong there. Um, and, and again, that's no disrespect, right? He like he's put up the results, especially in the clay court season, to to get that ranking. Yeah, he's um, played but in fewer this, than ten grass court matches. Yeah, I agree with you. That's yeah, fair. exactly. And, and so for me, that's the one. The other one I have is Karatsev, um, the twenty seed. I expect mm-hmm. Shardy to upset him first round. Mm-hmm. Nope, you beat me to it. I very, very much agree with you. That forehand, that serve, the lack of grass court experience for Karatsev. That's a fascinating one. I mean, we've named pretty much every seed, but, like, just because he's coming off of meniscus surgery, Nakashima has three qualifying matches under his belt, and he just puts so much pressure on you, and there are no secrets between he and Taylor Fritz. Those are two California Mm -hmm. guys. Nakashima can absolutely knock off Fritz in round one, right? And then, you know, if that happens, now you start to look at the dangerous dark horses— I mean, is there a world where Brandon Nakashima gets to a fourth round where he knocks off a Fritz, then either a Stevie J or Dennis Novak, and maybe even of Alex Zverev? We saw the no. matchup at the. You no. say now, okay, good. Well, then, then give me your case. Who are the dangerous dark horses here? Is it Nishikori just by virtue of the fact that he doesn't have a seed next to his name? Well, I, I mean, yeah, I can make that. I mean, I think Kyrgios. Oh, sure, um, and Popperin honestly is be too. Yeah, I mean, I think Kyrgios is is the first one you you, you circle there. Um, Nishikori, yeah, the winner of Nishikori Popperin definitely has a chance with how that draw opens up a little bit. Um, but honestly, Shardy could sneak through as well uh, because, like I said, and, and you agreed, I fully expect him to win that match. Then what? He has the winner of Munar and Ivashka can absolutely win that match. Then he probably has, what, Nishikori, or I don't think it'll be Casper Ruud, so maybe Popperin. You're telling me that's the match to get into the fourth round? Like, that is 100% doable for someone like Shardy. So I, I think if, if, and if I had to pick anybody, um, I would pick him. Otherwise, it would be curious. Curious just has the tougher draw. Yeah, no, those are both good picks. Is it fair to call FAA a dark horse in this section? Like, I think he could legitimately make the semifinals out of this section. Like, yes, Berrettini is a tier above him. But if he gets through the Zverev match and he's in the quarterfinals, at least he's got the serve, the forehand to play on his own terms against Berrettini as well. Like, I really do think there's a world where we see FAA advance to his first Grand Slam semifinal at this event, and you look for him, the success I'm gonna say, he's I'm going to say no on that one, but... Well, it's, again, it's easier to say no than yes, but you look for FAA and the success he's had. He's, you know, made a couple of finals on grass courts. He bounced back from losing that final to Chilich by making the semifinals the next week. He got the win over uh, Roger Federer in, in that event as well. He beat Ugo Umber, I believe, in Stuttgart before losing to him in 7-6 in the third in Halle. I just think he's playing really good tennis right now. And you look at this draw for him, you know, Montiero, big hitter, much more of a clay court player than a grass. And then, you know, a Sanga or an Emer round two. He's going to be heavily favored in that one. Meanwhile, whoever is left from that Umber Kyrgios first round battle, you imagine is going to have some scars coming out of that match as well. Like, I just kind of really like the way the draw has opened up for FA in this one. At a minimum, I expect to see him in the fourth round. But I do think semifinals on the table. Yeah, I mean, again, he has looked good in the lead-ups, right? And even the loss to Umber is a super, super tight one. Um, 
for me, I think the serve of Zverev gets him through a, a fourth round clash with FAA. Um, and as much as I would like to see FAA go through, I, I just I don't see it happening against Zverev unless he just completely melts down or something. So I, I don't see it going that way, unfortunately. Uh, but again, I a guy can hope, right? Um, and you know, <laughs> if we get to see the 16 seed roll through there, that would obviously be a lot of fun to to see someone. Um, you know, I, the young Canadian, right? Like he, he's somebody who's very likable, um, and his game has looked really, really good. And not just beating Fed when Fed looked bad, but he came up and backed it up with more impressive wins in my mind. Um, and so he's looked really good in the lead up. You mentioned it. The draw is breaking pretty well for him, um, and we'll see how that all unfolds. But. Yeah, I mean, look, let's be honest. I don't even know if he gets to that fourth round, though, with Kyrgios and Umber just lurking there. And to me, I think Kyrgios or Umber poses a larger threat to Zverev than FAA does. Now, granted, you go through and you start talking about the freshness and, like, is there a crazy five-set match between Kyrgios and Umber that gasses whoever wins anyway? Potentially. But to me, the danger to Zverev and the, the danger to sneak through to the quarters and even the semis comes from that Umber Curios matchup more than it does the FAA side, at least in terms of posing danger to Zverev to get there. Yeah, again, all fair points to make. So with that in mind, give me your predictions. Who's emerging out of this section? Uh, who's facing off in the quarterfinals? Oh, you know, I really don't want to see it be... Zverev. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say out of the top half. Oh, God, that Isner Berrettini clash third round is interesting. Uh, very, give, very fun. Give me Berrettini coming out of the top and then the winner of Umber and Curios coming out of the bottom. Can I do that or do I have to pick one? I mean, I would like to hear a name, but I that's good in principle. You can absolutely do that. <sighs> fine i'll be bold give me curious i love um, it that is bold there we go and then we'll go curious and berrettini and i would love to say keep sending curious keep sending him because i want to see it but i don't think so i think berrettini the draw breaks well for him curious will be gassed and let's say berrettini to the semis out of that quarterfinal if nothing else having berrettini Curious, excuse me, having Kyrgios and Opelka in your quarterfinals makes this preview worthwhile, if nothing else. And so I love oh, those nice. picks. I'm going to go money where my mouth is. FAA and Zverev both make the uh, round of 16. FAA knocks out Zverev. <sighs> no, Zverev knocks out FAA. Come on, let's just be honest here. But then Berrettini's going to knock off Zverev and make the semifinals. I've, that's been my take this entire time. I just think the top gear of Matteo Berrettini, and I made the whole case on the contenders pod, so I'm not going to repeat myself here again. But he's my second favorite, and the gap between he and Djokovic is obviously freaking massive. Uh, but just the way he plays, his, the way he gets into his patterns, plays plus one, plays on his terms, like his best right now is as good as anyone not named Novak Djokovic. And when he plays his best tennis, it's on his terms. So I think Berrettini advances out of this section. I think he makes his first Wimbledon semifinal. Uh, but I do think, again, there's a lot of fun permutations. A, a streaking Umber, a streaking uh, Kyrgios, an informed John Isner third round. All dangerous floaters in that section as well. But with that in mind, let's stay 
in our Manscaped below the waist section of the draw here. And let's go to Daniil Medvedev, your number two seed here at this Wimbledon event. And he himself also just earned a title in Majorca. Obviously, that decision to take the wild card into the event pays off. He's got a very fun first round matchup against a guy who beat him two weeks ago in Jan Lender Struve. But you look at the other seeds in this draw, Marin Cilic, number two via Tennis Abstracts, Grass Court Elo ratings, a winner as well in the warm up to this Wimbledon. He's your number 32 seed. You've also got number 18 seeded Grigor Dimitrov, number 14 seeded Hubi Hercots, your 11 seed Pablo Carreno Busta, 23 seed Lorenzo Sinego, 29 seed Cam Nori, and your number six seed, a guy you may have heard of by the name of Roger Federer. Jamie, most intriguing first round matchups in this section? Yeah, I mean, our two biggest seeds um, have really, really tough first rounds. Uh, Fed and Manorino. Uh, Manorino, the, the lefty, he's just looked good on grass, and given how Fed has not looked great, I think that's dangerous. So going to be curious to see how that one goes. Um, poor Karina Busta, brutal first round draw there, going up against Sam Query, who we just saw falter a little bit in that final against Daniil Medvedev, but still, uh, I, I may be under the impression he was either just completely – physically you know gassed maybe saving a little bit for Wimbledon uh regardless whatever the case may be it's Sam Query on a grass court and uh that's that's certainly dangerous her catch in Musetti gonna be really interesting you already mentioned Struff and Medvedev the last one I'll say before I take them all is Luca Pui and Cam Nori <laughs> you did take it all that was the one I was waiting I was like, don't say it don't say it don't say it don't say it but no I mean they're all excellent. I mean, the nerd in me is really looking forward to Rusevori Giron as well. Tommy Paul versus Carlos Alcaraz. We've never seen Carlos Alcaraz play a grass court match before. It's going to be fascinating to see what he does. Obviously, Struff Dog Medvedev will be there. I think the pod we did on Jan Leonard Struff has aged so well, Jamie. Like, I really, I think that might that was be a the long pod. Time ago. I know, but that might be one of the pieces of content I'm most proud of. Like the fact that we identified Jan Leonard Struff as one of those high variants. Like, hey. If he plays his best, the guy's going to be beating top 10 players. Again, hey, great shot to us. We don't pat ourselves on the back enough, right, Jamie? So, um, sure. hey, yeah, hey, great shot to us. But no, I mean, yeah, up and down this section is fascinating. And, you know, again, it's the lack of grass court sample size for all of these players. We've never seen Musetti play a grass court match, but with his shot making, you like to think this could be a fun surface for him. Hubi Hercots, in theory, should be excellent at grass court tennis with his, you know, six foot six frame, his ability to move forward, the big serve, his ability to put a million returns in the court and get depth on them as well. Like, in theory, he should be great on this surface. Cam Nori's a stud. And one would have loved to have seen Luca Pui get healthy, get back into the top 10. That hasn't happened. Nori seated at a slam for the first time, and it feels like deservedly so. And then, yeah, if you're being honest with yourself, who has played better tennis in the lead-up to this uh, 2021 Wimbledon? Roger Federer or Adrian Manorino? Like, if you're being honest with yourself, you can't say Federer definitively. Like, you can probably still say Federer, but you can't say, oh, clearly Roger Federer, he's the clear-cut favorite in this match. He's not. And it's like a lefty on a grass court, hits the ball flat. It's an interesting matchup. Now, again, Manorino strings his racket at allegedly like 24 pounds, and the more you watch him play, it actually kind of makes sense because all he really does is kind of turn his wrists like a little bit or there's like a little push into the ball, and then it's all just absorbing, redirecting. I mean, Federer's absolutely on upset alert. Now, do I think Adrian Manorino is going to pull off the upset? I don't think so. 
But Roger Federer could not have been happy about drawing that. And again, when you look at the seeds on upset alert, I think that's probably where you have to start. Roger Federer is on upset alert in round one. Yeah, I mean, look, I think Federer and Medvedev have dangerous first rounds. I I expect both of them to win. I don't think Federer is going to be as struggling as he was on his service points. Like when we saw him lose to FAA, he just didn't look clean. Um, at all and so I think things will be cleaned up a little bit I think he'll get through Manorino but yeah I mean that's that's not an easy draw especially because Manorino's got some confidence now um, had some good wins on this surface already it, it's dangerous for me though if we're talking other seeds I, I think the one who's got to be in the most danger is Karina Busta mm-hmm. uh, I mean that's a, a brutal draw just a brutal draw Sam Query you know we've made we've seen him make deep runs and pull off huge wins at Wimbledon the guy can just serve his way out of trouble and he can put that much pressure on you. No, he's not a great mover. No, he's not somebody who you need to be worried about in every sort of, you know, neutral uh, ground stroke rally, but man off the serve. And if he gets a hold of one, you're in trouble right from the start. Now I will say Karina Busta looked, looked solid, looked solid on the grass, looked fairly comfortable there, but I mean, query just takes the, the racket out of your hands sometime. And so if the serve, I will say query serve looked weak today against Medvedev. It did. Uh, but if it gets back up to its normal, I think he's got to be the clear cut favorite to take out the 11 seed. No, it's crazy to say, but the top three seeds in this section are all on upset alert. And you're right. The difference between FAA and a Manorino, Manorino can't generate the power as easily as way as, as easily as FAA does. And again, this Roger Federer, if you can have him on his back foot, he's a completely different player. It's going to be a lot more difficult for Manorino to do that. But yeah, I mean, Struff can absolutely beat Medvedev. We just saw it happen. Manorino, in my opinion, can absolutely beat this Roger Federer. And then, yeah, Sam Query at the serve, at the forehand, he's taking chances on the return. If they're all landing, he can absolutely beat Pablo Carreno Busta. And obviously, if any of those upsets happen, the the draw begins to open. You know, uh, even that Musetti Hercots match is pretty interesting as well, just because you'd probably argue of late Musetti, certainly through the clay court season, was the more informed player. But you look at the dangerous dark horses in this section, Jamie. I mean, the big one's Struff, right? If he can get through that Medvedev match, he's probably the. Well, I mean. Even Chilich is interesting in this section. I don't know. Is there really a dark horse in this section outside of Sam Query, who's the clear-cut one? Let's be, you know, again, you kind of made that case. I think that's very obvious. I would agree with you. Is there another, you know, outside of those three guys, Manorino, Query, Struff, are we missing anyone? Like, the fact that I think those would be your dark horses, it kind of sucks for them that they have to play the seeds in the first round, but those would have been your dark horses regardless if if that was a second-round matchup or a third-round matchup, right? I suppose. Yeah, I, I still don't think that Struff or Manorino will make it out of the first round, whereas Query, I, I definitely am more confident in. Um, I, I think the other one in this section that you got to think about a little bit is Bublik, um, just because it's, yeah, he can pull anything off. And if you're, look, he's playing Kukushkin. I think he just beat Kukushkin like what? Five days ago, maybe. So he's got him first round. Then second round, you're telling me your seed you clash is Grigor Dimitrov in 2021 like that's not like he's not going to be intimidated by that at all then you go on in your third round that seed is Hubie Hercatch like I mean Bublik has a really really good draw um to get to the fourth round especially like those two seeds are the ones he has to get through I don't think he has any problems mentally there he's not going to be sort of collapsing under that pressure so I think Bublik's the other one you got to talk about yeah I mean that's a good one I agree 
and especially the game style, just the overwhelming. Uh, I think he beats. That's actually I, I can't believe I missed that one. I think he he beats Grigor Dimitrov in round two. Yeah. I would probably take again in form right now. Certainly, you take Bublik over Grigor, and then the big serve to that backhand, etc., etc. I mean, again, Sinego's not a dark horse, but if I told you Lorenzo Sinego gets through, you know, Souza, Galana Coria, then Sam Query or Crano Busta, whomever that may be, in the third round, and then knocks off a Federer or a Nori in round four, like, is that going to shock you? I don't think that would shock me. Like, I, I really I mean, do think those are, uh, Sinego's a guy who could get to the quarterfinals as the number 23 seed. Possibly. I mean, yeah, I think he's, yeah, he's, he's one of the seeded players. So I was focusing more on the, the no, I know, I know sure. I, I'm to broaden that dark horse conversation. Could a non top 20 seed make the quarterfinals? I think Snake sure. the guy in this section. Yeah, he, he could. I mean, I think if it comes down to it where we're getting that deep and Federer has already shown that he's playing well enough to get through any, but like to get through the first couple rounds, I don't see a Sinego, you know, taking him out, but yeah, it's, it's definitely possible. And we just saw he's playing well on this. He's got the big first serve. He can make people uncomfortable. Um, obviously, you know, not coming off quite as much confidence as he would had he been able to take care of Dim and hour in that third set tiebreak. But regardless, yeah, I mean, look, the guy has got to be feeling pretty good on the grass has a little bit of rest and, and then gets, you know, thrust right back into it. So no, not a bad pick there at all. Yeah, and again, you know, these guys are so young. A day off, they'll be okay. Lorenzo Sinego making us 1995ers look significantly better with his efforts of late. But, I mean, again, we haven't talked much about a Daniil Medvedev who just won a warm-up event this week and certainly uh, has looked comfortable. Uh, he's had some huge wins in his career at Wimbledon. You go back to 2017, his big breakthrough when he beat Stan Wawrinka first round. He made third round, I believe, the next two years, held seed on both of those occasions. May have even made fourth round in 2019 before losing to Gofan. I don't. I think that was third round, not fourth. But anyways... You know, you look at this section in terms of predictions. The two seeds that linger above everyone else are Daniil Medvedev and Roger Federer. I had this conversation with Gil. I'm curious where you're feeling about it as well for Federer. I don't even have him in my top five contenders to bring this title home. I don't even have him in my second tier. I have three tiers of players. And for me, it goes Djokovic, tier one, all by himself. Huge freaking gap between tiers one and two, like the gap between me and you and Dalton as a tennis player sort of gaps, Jamie, in terms of the gap between Djokovic and tier two. And it's Berrettini, Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, and Rublev who are all in that tier for me. And then I move to my next tier, which is the FAA, Umber, Chilich, and Roger Federer tier. Like I really, again, Roger Federer over his last 52 weeks has played fewer than 10 matches you look at his record overall he's five and three jamie and like again when he loses in three sets to faa loses in three sets to basilishvili i think if you have overwhelming power the step you know that step has finally been diminished from roger federer he can't move quite the way he was still able to as efficient as it looks as good as the first serve can look when he's clicking I just don't know if he's going to be able to do it for seven matches in a row anymore. I don't know if he's even going to be able to do it for five. I don't know if I have him. I mean, I certainly don't have him going to the semifinals. I don't know if I even have him holding seed here. I think I'm going to take Medvedev to emerge out of this section, but I'm curious how you're feeling. First of all, did you just group you and me together as the same caliber of player? Yeah, dude, I'd kick your ass. That is, wow. That is 
not close. Okay, uh, we're gonna blow by that. You don't even know how to grip a racket. I don't. Even, <laughs> um, that's like beyond embarrassing. But anyway, no, I mean, look, it, it, it's it's gonna be a big question mark around Fed. For me, it's less about the physical part and the movement, and it's how how is the serve doing, and how easily can he win points without having to move? Let's be honest, um, because if it ever becomes a discussion of physicality and movement on the grass for Federer at this stage in his career. He's probably already lost that match, right? Because that's like plan C if we're worrying about how we're going to do the court coverage. At this point, it's about getting wins and winning points off of that first serve. Um, I'm a believer. I'll I'll say it. I think he gets through uh, all the way to the quarters. It's him against Medvedev. Again, this is where it becomes tough because it's like the Serena part. It's like, well, Serena is playing well enough to get to this point. She's playing well enough to beat anybody. Uh, But, again, that's a slippery slope because then you've somehow justified Serena winning every tournament ever from now on, and that's just simply not the way it works anymore. So I'll go Medvedev against Federer in the quarters. Um, Give me Medvedev to advance from there. I mean – I think Medvedev has assured why seeing him dominate this week was so impressive is that we just I needed to see that gear from him one more time. I never doubt Medvedev in the three out of five set format, and I mentioned it. His three main draw losses at Wimbledon have all come in five sets. Uh, it's just again the he can impose that Djokovician brand of physicality. He's also got the John Isner first serve by the metrics, and it's not quite Isner level, but Medvedev a top five server right now by hold percentage on tour. He's at 87%. Uh, that's freaking nuts. He then puts so much pressure on you, makes a million returns. If you try to serve in volley, he's knifing that ball on your feet. He's able to play plus one. He's able to attack the open space. And, you know, again, why I was so excited in that rude match is he had to generate a little bit more pace, a little bit more power, and he was able to do it if he can get through Struff round one I mean Chilich round three is not an easy matchup for Medvedev he'll certainly get tested in the first week but I just think he advances out of the section Hercots isn't playing well enough and as dangerous as a bublik is I just don't think he's got the discipline three out of five sets to wear down a Medvedev so I think that's the obvious quarter finalist I'm sorry but I just don't think it's going to be Roger Federer I think it's going to be Sinego versus Query round three. I think Sinego knocks him off. I think... But then, like, the prospect of Lorenzo Sinego beating Roger Federer is just something I can't get my mind around. Like, I'm trying. I really am trying. I'm just going to say, I don't know who's going to beat Federer. Someone's going to give me Sinego to advance to the quarterfinals against Medvedev. Give me Medvedev to advance to the semifinals. But I don't feel great about that. Like... Again, the prospect of a man... Like, do I think the winner of Gasquet Seguida would beat a Roger Federer? No. Do I think a Cam Norrie could beat a Roger Federer? Yeah. That, that's an interesting one. Yeah. And so... It's, I mean, that's that's in play. I mean, there's... Yeah. yeah I mean, that's 100% in play. Again, for Federer, so much of it just comes down to how easily is he winning serve points. And, and you know, unfortunately, we can't see any of that now. So, to me, you know, I'll, I'll have a little bit more confidence in my picks, even... 20 minutes into his first round. Uh, But regardless, it's Roger Federer's. Look, you've, you've, you've made your pick. I, uh, I've made mine. I've got Medvedev going through, but I do think it'll be Medvedev fed uh, to fight for that semi spot. No, that's fair. Again. So right now we have our four semifinalists. I have Djokovic. I have, who did I have coming through the Tsitsipas section? I don't even remember at this point. I had Djokovic. I believe I didn't take Tsitsipas. I believe you took Opelka. No, you didn't take Opelka. You, did you I take Opelka? Pass. 
Yeah, you you took Tsitsipas. to the semis. I have oh, so I have Demon Hour coming out of that section. So you have Djokovic, Tsitsipas. I have Djokovic, Demon Hour. I have Berrettini taking on Medvedev, which I believe you do as well. Let's get to those final predictions, Jamie. Your final and ultimately your champion at this 2021 Wimbledon. Yeah, I think Medvedev makes the final out of the bottom. Um, and I, I think Djokovic and Tsitsipas have that rematch in the semis. Um, I think Djokovic gets through again, um, probably in a bit easier fashion. Then when you get to the finals, I mean, it, it's a total grind. Again, when you talk about sort of the Murray versus Djokovic physical, being able to do that on a grass court, I think you're going to see a lot of similarities uh, when it comes to the Medvedev-Djokovic one. Now, given how solid Novak Djokovic has been. Is he, is he potentially like too much of a favorite that it's in his head about he needs to win this? I don't know. I mean, he's already won the thing. So maybe he doesn't really worry about, worry about those things as much when you, you know, when you lift the trophy that many times, just kind of like, eh, whatever. But, uh, I do think that the final of uh, Djokovic and Medvedev, if it gets there is, is going to be a, a really fun one. I don't think if those two make it, I don't think it'll be just some straightforward, Djokovic in three sets get him off the court sort of a deal um so I'm looking forward to that but I think yeah I guess you got to be boring and say Djokovic wins the tournament unfortunately no I agree with you it's Djokovic's to lose and the craziest part we talk about him potentially winning all four grand slams this year he could win all four grand slams and a gold medal and a gold medal like he could get all five of the big titles and he's the prohibitive favorite to do so yeah I think he wins I think it's Berrettini in the final. I just think that serve, that plus one forehand, the decisiveness which with he plays. If he plays his best tennis, he'll be in there, and he has played his best tennis of late. And I just think his best right now is a little bit better than Medvedev's on grass. Again, Medvedev can do a lot of different things, but sometimes he gets a little indecisive. Sometimes he plays with his food, doesn't finish the point. If you give Berrettini the opportunity, he's going for the finisher. Just sometimes, you know, it's whether he makes it or not. And then I think that will put pressure on Novak Djokovic. Again, the decisiveness with which Berrettini plays is just a tough obstacle to overcome, and he does have plus power. He's an elite, you know, athlete, an elite ball striker on the tour. But Novak Djokovic is Novak freaking Djokovic. This guy slides into shots on a grass court. Like, at a certain level, what are we doing here? And so I'll take Djokovic. I'll take him four sets. Berrettini takes a second set tiebreaker to make things interesting, but then Djokovic hits Djokovic form. And he ties it up, and he gets Grand Slam number 20. And then, again, once he has 20, Jamie, we can put the conversation to rest, right? At that point, like, again, what significance to the sport is a different thing than the highest level of achievement, highest level of accomplishment. But once Novak hits 20, we can just agree he's the best, right? I mean, no, because we didn't do that when any of the other ones did 20. So I Yeah, I but that's because the that's other two were looming. It's just like Federer's... If Federer doesn't get this one, he's probably not getting 21. And, like, yeah, Nadal's still got some French Opens, but, like, Djokovic is going to get to 20. Like, now the number might actually be 25. Let's let's keep the conversation within Wimbledon Yeah, you're right. Let's see him get 20 first. I think, you know, look, for me, if there's a final, I would much rather see a Medvedev-Djokovic final than a Berrettini Djokovic final because at this point I think Djokovic wipes the floor with Berrettini in a Grand Slam final I think I think Berrettini kind of crumbles under being in a Grand Slam final Medvedev I don't think will um just mentally you know you, you I, I just think that that's how that you know goes unfortunately I saw Berrettini and again he's a different player but when I was there at Wimbledon I watched him get absolutely dismantled um on center court by Fed and it, it was just like he wasn't ready for the moment and so if he finds himself in a Grand Slam final at Wimbledon against Djokovic I don't think he's ready for that moment whereas I feel like Medvedev is ready to compete in that sort of environment 
Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's fair. Again, I would argue that Berrettini played Djokovic closer than anyone at the French Open. I know Tsitsipas was up two sets to love, but it just felt like Djokovic had to sustain a peak level for all four of his sets against Berrettini. He didn't necessarily need to do so in sets one and two against Tsitsipas, but then found Without that Nadal. peak down the home stretch. <laughs> no, that was just Djokovic on another planet. Like, I it, I don't think yeah. Nadal played Djokovic all that close in the French Open. I just think Djokovic was on another yeah. world. Like, okay, set one, yes, but sets two, three, and four, it was literally like Djokovic. Djokovic was just otherworldly in that match. And so, again, I just think Berrettini played the sort of power tennis that didn't even matter what Djokovic was doing. It was like ace-T, ace-wide, ace-plus one forehand. And to have that quality, like, that matters. That it, At least then you can you can take some some control off of Novak's racket. I just feel like, yes, Medvedev has the serve, but I feel like that match is on Novak's, Novak's racket, and we know what happens when a match is on Novak's racket. And so, again, I think it's picking it's you know picking hairs. Like th- Those are both two outstanding matches, two things I would very much look forward to. But I, it, the, the big takeaway is it's Novak's title, uh, title to lose. I mean, 100%. It's, and again, maybe he's in his head about it, maybe not. But, I mean, this like you mentioned right at this coming full circle here at the very top of this i mean he is a huge favorite mm-hmm. um and it, it 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 just is his to lose regardless of how the draw breaks regardless of who's in this thing or not he's just a crazy big favorite to win it i mean and and so it's just like outrageous in that sense that he, it's it's just crazy that it's what minus what 120 for him to win is that what you said the odds were yeah um, 125 yeah, like that's just outrageous. And so, no, Novak Djokovic, he knows he's going to be confident going into this. Again, I think if there is somebody to test him, maybe it's someone who comes out of the woodworks at, you know, a second round Kevin Anderson who could just bomb serves. Once he gets comfortable, though, in late stages of a Grand Slam, I, I just I don't see a way he loses this match or in this tournament. No, I, I very much agree with you. And again, despite it feeling inevitable that he captures the title, there is still a very, very fun fortnight about to unfold. And so we, of course, will all be looking forward to that. And again, this is just the men's singles draw preview. We've got a wide open women's event, truly wide open. And, you know, you add that to the doubles, to all the various action we will be seeing on the grounds at Wimbledon. It should be a fantastic next two weeks for us as tennis fans. And of course, we will be covering all of that action day in, day out here at Crack Rackets. If you miss any of it, you can catch up on it all on our website, crackrackets.com. If you've missed any of our preview content, be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review to this podcast, our mini break podcast, Cracked Interviews podcast, and the likes as well, as we keep you all appraised on the latest developments over the next two weeks. Again, hopefully, it's going to be Jamie joining me on the women's singles draw later today. If not, we will certainly have another guest on, but be on the lookout for that podcast. And of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You need to uh, want to message me directly. I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out as always to our super producers, Max Flicker and Daniel Westoff for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Turn of Tennis and Manscaped. Remember, uh, it's call, uh, email sales at uniquesports.com or call 800-554-3707. Remember to get the latest and best in below the waist grooming equipment at manscaped.com. The promo code is new balls, please, with that in mind, Jamie. Any final thoughts on this gentleman's singles draw? Kevin Anderson, 
come through second round for me, baby. Do it. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm really excited, especially for that Zverev quarter. Um, you know, th- again, this is, this is what we live for, right? Those first few days of a major where it's just complete chaos. It, you can't even keep track of all the different matches. You flip from one stream to the other. You, you, you only get it a few times a year. So cherish it as a tennis fan. Absolutely. We are looking forward to it. Well, with that in mind for, my wonderful co-host, James Falsta McDonald, our super producers, Fliegner and Westoff, our friends at Turner and Manscaped, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell the people? I would beat Gruskin 0-0, and hey, great <laughs> shot. You would not, but we will see you all next time. Thanks, everyone.